Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Motivated Learning Podcast. I am your host, Buddy Broyles. You can see the video version of each episode on the Motivated Learning YouTube channel or watch it live on our Facebook or LinkedIn pages, all of which are linked in the show notes. Today, I'm very excited to welcome Brian Lowell French, founder of Harmonic Learning. Brian is a leadership creator, teacher, and coach, working to create a world where all feel equally valued, equally motivated, and equally cared for. Welcome to the show, Brian. How are you, my friend? I'm doing well, buddy. It's great to see you. Great to be seen. It's been such a crazy year for all of us. <laughs> it uh, has goodness. been. In fact, I think one of the last times we saw each other was at a live conference uh, of what, a year and a half, two years ago. So yes, it's at yes, least it's good coming to be up, virtually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, coming up on a couple couple years now. Right. Um, so, so, Brian, let's start off by having you share a bit about who you are for some of the people who may not know you. Okay, well, that's a loaded question. Um, so I, I like to, you know, when I'm asked something like this, I like to just first of all say I'm, I'm a, I'm, I consider myself a loving husband and father first. My wonderful wife Lori, my kids Evan and Garrett, uh, they are my world, and everything that I do, I do for them. So they're my main purpose in life. Um, the second thing is I'm defined by my introversion. I'm very much an introvert. Um, you know, I'm a leadership development uh, coach and consultant. Uh, and in this space, I've taken, I think, every single personality behavioral assessment out there. And every single one of them, I'm at the scale of introversion. If there, there could be a way to be off the scale, I would be off the scale on the introverted side. So things like this are really not natural for me. I'm used to being on your side of the uh, lens, buddy, actually asking the question. So having to be the focus is not is not a comfortable thing for me. So I've had to do this enough, though, that I will try to be engaging and interesting and talk enough to fill the space. <laughs> uh, professionally, um, that's that's another interesting question. I've had a very varied career and done a lot of different things, and we'll get into that in a moment. Uh, you know, I call myself a, a leadership creator, teacher, consultant, and coach. Uh, by creator, I just mean that I'm focused on creating content, uh, creating new ways to to look at leadership, to look at life, in order to open up doors of recognition and awareness. And then I like to teach that. Uh, I'm, I'm called to teach, and we'll uh, talk more about that later as well. When I, I consult, think it's an interesting. Yes, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, you know, as a, as a consultant, uh, it's just my my pleasure to go in and work with clients. And as a coach, an executive coach, I just love really digging deep with people, uh, find out what what motivates them, what makes them tick, and and how they can tick even better in the work that they do. So go ahead. Well, I think it's very important to point out what you said. Um, obviously, family first. I think that's really important for everyone that, you know, if we get lost in our career, we definitely lose something along the way. Uh, so that's very important. And I definitely subscribe and agree to that. Uh, second, I, the, one of the bigger hurdles for anyone, and, and you may not think this, but um, my career was definitely behind the lens, not in front of it. So I, for most of my career, I've been on the other side of the camera. And the fact that you and many like you, and even myself, have overcome a major hurdle for introverts is to step in front of the lens, step in front of people, because when you have as much knowledge as you do, and the passion you have for what you do, not being able to get in front of people uh, really costs them. 
you know, they, they, how can they learn from someone who has a career like you and others like you if, if you're not able to, and willing to cross that hurdle? So that's, that's, that's a big deal. And, and that's something others can learn is don't be afraid of this. People, people want that knowledge from you. And the only way to do that is to get past that introversion. Uh, and like you, I've taken tons of personality tests. And I'm, I'm actually... I've found I'm more of an extrovert than, than I would have thought, but even getting in front of people like this is a challenge. So, you know, so yeah. good for you. So let's talk, yeah. let's move forward to, you know, your entire journey. And because I know you started back, like me back way back when in media production, uh, you had That's a multimedia right. country, uh, company. So a lot of hats along the way. So let's go back and talk about all the different roles that led you to your current role at Harmonic Learning. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's it's fun to talk about because uh, because when when you and I get together and others like us who started back in the days when we were actually shooting on on tape, uh, so we'd have this big yes. camera that weighed 20, 30 pounds on our shoulder, and we had this big tape that went inside the camera, and then we would take it back and put it in a machine, and you you controlled the machine with some little knobs for uh, doing what what was called linear editing uh, at at the time. Um, yeah, I, I got my degree in mass communications, and my goal was to go out to Hollywood and be the next Steven. Spielberg. We see now wow. that that did not happen. <laughs> and uh, you may be able to see uh, behind me, um, I am a musician and singer songwriter. So I have a piano and various rhythm instruments, a guitar and a bass guitar kind of in the shadow over there. Uh, so that's been my other love of my career. And uh, when I went to Los Angeles early in my uh, adult life, uh, it was either to be the next Steven Spielberg or to be the next Billy Joel. Neither of those happened, obviously, but uh, but I, I've still tried to infuse those loves throughout my career. Um, I did start my career uh, the first three years. I was a production manager for a small video production company in uh, Oklahoma, and we made TV commercials, we made um, documentaries, we made promotional tapes, and we made training tapes. And making training tapes was what told me early on that I love teaching. And at that point, it was teaching through media. Uh, but then uh, after I did a stint in Los Angeles, I didn't stay very long, half a year, but it was enough to tell me that, well, I'm not going to be the next Steven Spielberg. I'm not going to be the next Billy Joel. So what do I want to do? Do I want to stay out here, wait tables and try to wait for a big break or uh, go back home and, and start an actual life? So I chose the latter. So I moved back to Oklahoma and I worked for nine years at uh, uh, Tri-County Technology Center. It's a, it's a most people would call it a technical college. It's kind of an interesting model in Oklahoma where you have some, uh, you have high school juniors and seniors as well as adults who are paying tuition. So it's kind of a mixed model, but uh, basically a technical college. And I was the technology director. So I was in charge of all technology for the campus, uh, which included all distance learning technology. So back in the mid nineties, uh, I was fortunate enough to be one of the first people in Oklahoma to teach a live two-way interactive video class just like we're doing today. But in the mid nineties, it's like, whoa, you can do that over this thing called the internet. <laughs> and sure enough, we were doing that over the internet. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it, and that's that's what got me into where I am today. Um, those, those early classes that I taught uh, through our adult learning program across the state of Oklahoma and uh, for, for local uh, local folks as well. Uh, and then uh, another key part of that journey was uh, I started a program where we had um, 
all educators went through a state-sponsored technology learning program, uh, leadership um, technology and leadership program um, that uh, that I was fortunate enough to be a part of. And I was teaching um, teaching college professors, tenured college professors, teaching doctorate level courses, sitting next to kindergarten teachers in the same classroom, learning how to engage their students through the use of media and to deliver distance learning. So we were teaching them, um, remember this is the mid, mid to late 90s, teaching them how to use PowerPoint more effectively and how to build a website so they could post their information online and how to teach via this new technology of two-way interactive video. And I just love that because that was a way for me to infuse my video background with teaching, which I learned that it was where my passion lay. Um, so going on in my journey, and please uh, cut me off if I'm getting too long or verbose here. No, no, this, but, this is uh, good. Going on in my journey, so from uh, those nine years at uh, Tri-County Technology Center, I went into the corporate world thinking I was going to greener pastures. Those mm. greener pastures were WorldCom, which you don't really see on my profile because I just say I was with Verizon for 16 years. But the first two years of that, I was with WorldCom. And anyone who lived through that time knows that there was Enron, there was WorldCom, and that's what created all of the uh, oversight that we have now within big corporations because WorldCom unfortunately uh, two of the people at the very tippy top of the company did some bad things and those of us who were in the ranks i was uh, uh, a leadership development uh, manager at the time uh, we had to suffer through a very strange time of of, of uh, massive layoffs of bankruptcy period um, our department that had 30 in the in the leadership development department it went down to just five of us who remained through the bankruptcy period i was I say fortunate, perhaps perhaps unfortunate, who knows? <laughs> but I was fortunate enough to uh, be one of those five. Um, and and we just kind of kept the ship afloat until we made it through bankruptcy, until Verizon bought us. And then we were infused within Verizon. And uh, that's where a lot of opportunities opened up. All the way through though, I was infusing video production, I was infusing music as I could uh, through, uh, through, through the leadership development programs that I would do. Um, at, at Verizon, I had many different hats. Uh, I used to, to um, tease people and, and our, our relatively small team had global uh, leadership development uh, responsibilities for 120,000 plus employees. And we did a lot of things. We did all of the leadership and management training. Uh, we did coaching and consulting around the enterprise. Um, we managed all of the e-learning library for leadership and created courses. Uh, we managed the mentoring program, the new hire program, the tuition tuition assistance program. Uh, the top talent program for a while fell under me, uh, the ethics and compliance education, um, performance management program, and other things as needed. Um, and I decided to leave there in 2016 to start my dream company, which is Harmonic Learning. And with Harmonic Learning, we offer a variety of things, uh, leadership programs, uh, executive coaching, uh, teaming programs. And I use teaming as a verb because when you bring a team together, it takes action to build the team. And uh, I also call it team strengthening instead of team building because that's 
that's the ultimate goal to strengthen the team through these through these activities and these learnings uh, and also mindfulness programs um, I, I'd been a mindfulness person for years and years and last year uh, as the pandemic was starting I realized that there's a need for this uh, people were feeling so unbalanced and still are and so I uh, uh, I'm a certified mindfulness teacher and I decided to go ahead and start marketing mindfulness programs as a standalone offering so that's been that's been a very interesting and enlightening and rewarding experience over the last uh, couple of years. So if you could for me, Brian, can you go a, a little bit more in detail on what does it mean to be mindful? You know, what are you, what are you teaching? What are they learning uh, from a mindfulness? You know, define that for me. Yeah, there's, you know, we, we often say things like, I need to be more mindful of this. I need to be more mindful of my uh, my partner. I need to be more mindful of my kids. I need to be more mindful of being on time. Uh, and being mindful is, itself is just being in tune with our five senses. It's seeing things more clearly, hearing things more clearly, um, feeling things, the tactile sensations, uh, smelling, tasting. It's, it's, it's experiencing life in the moment. That's what being mindful is. So when we say I need to be more mindful with my partner, it means that I need to use my senses to be in tune in this moment with my partner or my kids or that project I'm working on, whatever it is that we're trying to be more mindful about. And then there's mindfulness as a practice. And mindfulness as a practice has had a very interesting history. Uh, most people um, know that it's, it's based on ancient Buddhist practices, but over the last 50 to 60 years in the United States, uh, scientists, neuroscientists, medical doctors have um, refined the scientific and, and medical benefits to our, to our mind, to our body, and, uh, and, and created secular mindfulness and, uh, and or scientific mindfulness practice. And when we're doing a mindfulness practice, it's, it's getting in tune even further with the present moment. And it's done through a variety of different uh, meditation techniques, visualiz visualization techniques, uh, just a variety of things that we can do to create that uh, attunement. And what it also does is regulate our nervous system. So if we're, if we're nervous, um, if we're stressed, it can balance that. It can reduce that. So we do feel more calm when needed. Uh, but I will say many people um, and, and a lot of the marketing around mindfulness makes you think that it's all about just being calm and being in a Zen state all the time. And that's not what right. it is at all. It's just finding that regulation of our nervous system and emotions so we can be more productive, more effective, uh, more loving, more kind with others, more, more present. So a question for you. Now, I know you serve your executive coaching and so on. Um, so there are different audiences. Do you find that, uh, and there's a range of, and we're, we're talking about some of the younger people and what their definition of mindfulness is versus people, you know, uh, roughly our generation and so on. Are there certain generational gaps for mindfulness, the way they define it? And, and are there uh, gaps there for how they, uh, the different senses you mentioned, you know, or, or because I would, I would suspect, and I have you know, teenage children, um, adult children now, and, and they, they consume media, they consume training differently than people my age. You know, what, what if any are you, are, you know, what gaps are you witnessing as you're, you're, you're identifying, you know, and, and approaching a mindfulness education? 
Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Uh, you know, I hadn't thought of it in that frame. So thanks for thanks for stoking uh, stoking some thought here. Um, sure. You know, the the, the young folks uh, tend to get it more. Uh, it's it's more in the space. Um, so a lot of a lot of there's a lot of hipness in mindfulness right now in the last few years. So you're hip if you do mindfulness. Uh, I've never been called hip in my life, <laughs> being as old <laughs> as I am and as bald as I am. Uh, but uh, but perhaps now I have a, a wee bit of hipness uh, just because I'm a mindfulness uh, teacher. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of older folks, uh, they frankly get worried, especially in, in corporate settings, when they hear the term mindfulness, they think it's uh, religious based. Uh, they think it's going to make them lose their edge um, uh, and, and, and lessen their energy and, and they won't be as productive. Um, but uh, so a lot of the work I do is just, first of all, getting over the what I call the myths of mindfulness, of which there are many. So we can get down to the benefits that mindfulness practice can bring. And the younger folks, I find just naturally get it. They they naturally know that they need this balance in their life so they can be more productive, more effective, more, more kind and loving as well, inside both inside and out of work, um, in order to have that balanced life. Um, so so you know uh, as we're as we're progressing in this mindfulness journey it's becoming more and more known more and more um, popular more and more accepted which is a great thing um, we we liken it to uh, brushing teeth you know a hundred years ago actually not everybody brushed their teeth they had various ways of of cleaning their teeth but uh, this this idea of holding a toothbrush and for two minutes in the morning and two minutes in the evening actually brushing your teeth this this idea of dental hygiene was not known until just after World War II in the masses. Uh, it was actually, I'm sorry, World War One. Uh, it was World War One uh, where the soldiers were given a toothbrush to keep their their teeth healthy during the war. That's when dental hygiene came into the form that we know it today. And mindfulness is much on the same journey. Uh, if we just took two minutes in the morning and two minutes in the evening to do a simple little mindfulness practice, it could create the the mental hygiene that we need to have more balance, to be less stressed, to be more, uh, be more present with others. Excellent. I can't wait to use the, the word uh, hypness with my kids and see what, what their definition of, of that is. And, and I know it won't point anywhere toward me. So I'm okay with that. Um, so let's talk um, about your why, Brian. What motivates you to, to continue on the journey that you set yourself on? Yeah. What are your mantras yeah. and your, and your, your models? Yeah, th thanks for thanks for that question, buddy. I mean, that's that's why we do what we do um, in the leadership space that I work in. All of my programs, I start off with a, a couple of things. First of all, is a leadership purpose exercise, uh, then a visioning exercise, uh, so people can can start to create that vision of I'm here now, I want to be there. How do I get there? Uh, but I also do a lot of just self reflection worksheets and activities with people for them to explore what their purpose is. Uh, what is their why? Uh when, when I got your list of, of topics that we'd be talking about and I saw that why question, I, I started writing down a couple of notes and the, the notes that came out were, I do what I do because I love to do what I do. I need to do what I do and I have to do what I do. Um, and the what I do is teach, coach, create, and, and ultimately try to help people uh, to be happier um, people uh, at work and at home. Uh, it's my mission. And um, obviously, my focus is more in the workplace, dealing in the leadership space. But since I first got in the space so many years ago, I've known that everything that we can build in terms of leadership strengths at work benefits life outside of work. 
it helps people to be better in their community. Uh, it helps people to be better family members, better parents, better spouses, better partners. So that's my mission. Um, when I started my company of Harmonic Learning, a lot of people uh, asked me about the, the the name Harmonic and why I chose that. And it has a couple of a couple of uh, meanings, a couple of analogies. First is the musical analogy. We have harmony in music. Uh, if you have play a major chord on the keyboard, it's going to be a sweet sounding chord. If we play a minor chord on the keyboard, it intones tension. And our relationships, both at work and at home, are the same way. If we focus on major chords that are that are congruent chords, the frequencies are technically congruent with each other, creating that sweet sounding uh, experience uh, uh, that we that we hear. Um, we can use that as an analogy for creating creating great relationships, ones that are congruent with each other. Uh, and then the other aspects of of, of harmony is obviously um, if we have harmony in our relationships, the world's a better place. And it's not saying that you're always going to be smiling and happy. Uh, no one is. Uh, but it's saying that when we are upset and when we're frowning, when we're perhaps um, uh, worse than frowning, feeling these very negative emotions, um, if we approach our life, our relationships, our work with a sense of harmony, we will be building the infrastructure to help us to get through those situations to get to a better conclusion. Um, and sadly, you know, a lot of people uh, cannot say that they live and work in that kind of environment. So you ask about a mantra uh, on, on our website and in our programs. I say that uh, my mission is to create a more harmonic world where all people feel equally valued, equally motivated and equally cared for. So when we break those three down, if if everyone, equally is a key word, obviously, if everyone is feeling valued within this team, within this organization, what does that do to build them up? And if everyone is equally motivated to do the best that they can do, that's going to translate not only in work, but outside of work as well to create this better world, to motivate people to good purpose. And if everyone feels equally cared for, uh, and, and care is a word that a lot of people don't like to use in the workplace, but we need to get more comfortable with it. If everyone feels cared for in the workplace, what is that going to do to build trust, um, to build community, to build strength? And again, that translates to outside of work as well. If you feel cared for at work, you're more naturally going to care for others outside of work. So very well said, very well said. Um, so real quick, you mentioned your website. Uh, what's the address for your website so they can learn more? Oh, yeah, it's uh, www.harmoniclearning.net. And I know you have uh, some training modules that are available both for free and, and for a fee uh, there mm -hmm. that cover a lot of the topics you've discussed today, correct? Yeah, we sure do, sure do. Excellent, excellent, so they can find more there. Uh, so final question, uh, Brian, you know, for a lot of our audience are uh, transitioning from either teaching careers or they're, you know, a good way into what, the, what they know, um, but they could always use a little bit of advice from someone who is at your level and, and understands the, the business as you do. What advice would you give to them just to, to help hone their skills and be better at what they do? Hmm. That's a that's a big question. Um, sure it is. You know, when 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 uh, so I'm 57, I've been in well, 56, 57 in a few weeks. So when you've been in the game as long as I have, you've you've seen a lot come and go. You've seen all the trends come and go. And there's flavor of the weeks in the talent development space, just like in all aspects of social life. Um, 
but there's there's been one constant. And when you look back at the history of learning, um, which goes back many, many thousands, millions uh, of years, uh, depending on your perspective, uh, we, we learn the same way now that we did thousands, millions of years ago. Uh, and, and thousands, millions of years from now, people will learn the same ways that they do now. And you can put new flavors to it. Uh, you can put new designs layered on top of it on how to reach that. But it's, it's building engagement so the learner wants to learn. It's providing information in a way that it reaches them the way they need to learn that is accessible to them. And regardless of the form, if you can do those two things, people will learn. And as, as a young person starting the field, my advice is just to find those ways. And, and even if you're using the flavor of the week or this new piece of software or this new technology, keep those two things in mind where, where ultimately it's, it's engaging them and giving them the information in a way that they can consume it and learn. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for taking time out of your busy schedule to share with us today. Oh, I'm very happy to be here, buddy. This is a great show. I'm glad you're doing this. It's reaching uh, a lot of people who, who need to be reached, especially uh, during the times that we've been going through. Thank you for listening to the Motivated Learning Podcast produced by Visual Learning Solutions. Once again, if you wish to watch the show live, please visit our Facebook or LinkedIn page for further details.